0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about competition, and not just any competition, but the kind of competition that's so intense that there's nothing left to compete on but price. There's no other differentiators, and everything else has sort of been commoditized. All right, let's get started with today's podcast. All right, Kevin, tell me again why we're talking about this topic today.
1: I was reading this book called Zero to One by uh, Peter Thiel. It's about taking a new idea from no customers to the first customer, hence the zero to one. One of the ideas that stuck out in the book was how important it is to avoid competition when you're going from zero to one. It's difficult to move past zero if competition is melting away the advantages that, and it can be very hard for you to get past zero. So the example of the book uses to prove the point is the airlines. I mean, perfect competition has kind of carved out nearly any advantage the airline companies have I mean, other than loyalty and you know some conveniences. Air travel is kind of come down to, it kind of comes down to price. Uh, the, the function and experience are the same from airline to airline. It take me from A to B, right? That got me thinking about how much competition is a big part of the stuff we talk about in government contracting and how sometimes it's, This perfect competition, like lowest price technically acceptable, is an undifferentiated price competition. It's a perfect competition. But on most acquisitions, above a a few hundred grand, for example, there's some advantage other than price. And more importantly, if there's not some way for offers to differentiate themselves, the competition may be perfect, but the acquisition that results is not very likely to be.
0: All right, before we get deeper into... The, the perfect competition, let's stop and say thanks.
1: Thanks this week goes to Elizabeth Good. Uh, Beth is the Director of Competitive Intelligence and Price to Win at SOS International. Um, SOS provides intelligence and technology and project management services to a variety of uh, government customers. I want to thank Beth for taking the time to chat with me about how she found the podcast, how she uses or how she and her team use our episodes and what type of training and content she's looking for from the podcast, as well as our premium Skyway community content. The best way for us to continue to provide relevant and actionable content is for people like Beth to talk to us and take the time to tell us what they like and don't like.
0: Thanks, Beth. Let's get back to perfect competition. What are we talking about today? What do we mean by perfect competition? You already, you already talked a little bit about it, but lock it down to a, t- a tighter definition here.
1: Perfect competition is where the competitive process has been so refined that price is all that's really left to compete on. You know, yeah, it's the it, airlines.
0: Yeah. It, perfect competition is, is a hypothetical situation. Just like a, a perfect monopoly, the extreme of, of perfect is a very high bar to reach. Regardless, it's a useful concept. Perfect competition makes firms into price takers instead of price makers. What I mean is, that no company, regardless of their market share, can set the price because the market has already set it. Any other company can enter the market and sell an undifferentiated product. That's what we mean by
1: commodity or commoditized. In my early days as a contracting officer, I thought I wanted to drive the acquisition to be a perfect competition, right? I didn't call it that at the time because I hadn't read the book, but I quickly realized that, that very few of the things I bought as a contracting officer really could be homogenized to that level it it really was a not a great target instead the goal is to really find the most effective way to compete and award contracts get the work done that will best satisfy the mission and that's very rarely going to be just about right
0: right low price is not really part of mission satisfaction in in (laughs) most in most cases let's hop into far time far 13.104 is titled promoting competition it says the contracting officer must promote competition to the maximum extent practicable to obtain supplies and services from the source whose offer is the most advantageous to the government. The important part there is whose offer is the most advantageous to the government. We were just talking about why price is not necessarily most advantageous. If price is all you're looking at, then you're, you're buying commodities If you're not buying commodities, it's the offer. It's what makes their solution or product or service better for your purposes than another offer. You may have to pay more for that better.
1: The other key word in that far reference is the word practicable. It doesn't say promote competition to the maximum extent. It says promote competition to the maximum extent practicable. Because maximum extent, that would be perfect competition, is to drive out everything except for price. That's not what it says. That's not the intent.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that in a whole bunch of episodes. You don't have to accept 150 offers. You can weed it down to <laughs> the top, the ones that are most likely to win and just release the RFP to them in the end, right? Yep. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Competition is all over the FAR, but I'll pull out one other spot. And we talked about this in a whole lot of episodes as well. FAR 6.101A is where we're talking about exceptions to full and open competition. 6.101A requires, with some exceptions, that contracting officers promote and provide for full and open competition in soliciting offers and awarding government contracts. Yes. 6.101B says contracting officers shall provide for full and open competition. Through the use of competitive procedures contained in this subpart, here's the important part, best suited to the circumstances of the contract action and consistent with the need to fulfill the government's requirements efficiently. It doesn't say contracting officers shall find the lowest price.
1: (laughs) It doesn't say shall find perfect competition.
0: Why are we talking about this? Why does this matter? Neither industry nor government really wants perfect competition For most acquisitions?
1: For a a variety of reasons. One of them is having a homogenized solution that's based on price alone may not actually be the right fit, especially when you're at scale. Uh, One of our team members, when he was a contracting officer, he had a lowest price technically acceptable uh, acquisition that they did. And It ended up that the company that had the lowest price, it was significantly lower because they were building in a much higher scale. But the solution that the customer wanted wasn't the lowest price. And it was also by a a smaller organization and they weren't able to award to the solution they wanted. And it wasn't because it was a little bit off on price. It was a lot on price. So the point of this is that the higher the scale gets, the lower you can make that price when it's a commoditized item. So that's why Like airlines, that's why they merge (laughs) because the the more of them that are all congealed together, they can multiply that 50 bucks they make per flight and actually make, you know, real money.
0: Right. We, we book airline flights based on lowest price, technically acceptable, right? People will buy the cheapest, the lowest price fare, unless there's really some compelling reason that doesn't usually have much to do with the airlines. Some compelling reason to pay more, like the schedule doesn't fit. You need to be there earlier or there's three stops on this flight versus a direct flight you might pay a little more for a direct flight but not too much not too much
1: a perfect competition also tends to squash innovation i mean there's not been a lot of innovation we're picking on the airlines here but there's not been a lot of innovation in the airline industry you know in the last company up years because there's just not a lot of margin to invest in that
0: low margins are not real small business friendly if if you if you're thinking that you're going to start an online marketplace to sell commodities, are you really going to be able to compete with with Amazon? Or if you're thinking about selling your product on Amazon against all the other sellers on Amazon, do you think if you're a dollar more that people are going to buy your undifferentiated product, just decide, yeah, this is exactly the same as this other thing, but I'm going to pay a dollar more.
1: And if you think you're going to start a new airline, <laughs> it's good luck with that because you got to have scale for it to make sense. Another example is it drives good offers out of the market altogether. Uh, you know, companies that really could provide a great solution to the government when they realize that this is a perfect competition that it's just about price. That the the most I can do is win on price and and make you know three percent margin and tread water. I'm not interested. And again, that's something I never thought of as a contracting officer, but the number of times I see it now, its it would have shocked my former self.
0: <laughs> the opposite of the perfect competition is that perfect monopoly. And in a, in a monopoly, a company can think about other things than just making money and staying in business. They're actually making a profit and they can use that profit to fund innovation and focus a bit on making something better, not just figuring out how to get even cheaper to to make the price competition even you know more in their favor they can actually focus on doing things better providing more value for for the money also in a monopoly ethics becomes a little bit easier which is ironic it's ironic but if you have the money to make the right decision for the good of your employees, for the good of the planet, whatever you want to say. It's a lot easier to make those decisions than if you're scrambling day-to-day to stay in business. Where ethics becomes a real challenge a lot of times is when, well, this isn't really the best choice. It's kind of a bad choice. It's not technically illegal, but it's not a great choice. But but I don't have any other options if I want to stay in business, right? A company that has more of a monopoly where they're making a little bit of money has a lot easier time saying, you know, I'm not going to make that sketchy choice that's in the gray. I'm going to make the right choice because I can afford to do it. Now, there are evil monopolies, of course, right? There's there's companies that use that power for, for evil rather than good. There are good monopolies, too. In some sense, a, a large company with a monopoly limits your choices, but they also have the money to invest in exciting new things that then people compete with. We've used Apple as an example many times, right? They give you very limited choices, but there was a time when Apple created new things that no one had thought of because they had the profit, they had the money to create those new things, and then competitors come out for those new things. But without the money to invest in creating the new things, there's no new things. Okay, let's talk about old things. Let's talk about the acquisition time zones and the execution (laughs) time zones. Not, that old. Not new concepts. These are our old concepts, but True. we try to link everything that we talk about to the acquisition and execution time zones so that listeners understand where this is happening in the government acquisition process. When we're talking about competition, we're talking about a lot of the acquisition time zones. It starts in the requirement zone where you're figuring out what are our actual requirements? What do we need? Moves into the market research zone where you're finding out, does industry make this? Is it, is it possible to buy this, or do we need to develop it ourselves?
1: And how are we going to compete it? I mean, that's yeah. when that decision is made. If it's
0: a commodity, well, then I know what kind of acquisition strategies I need. If it's something that has never been done before, it's a different acquisition strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's the other right? extreme. Yeah, and that rolls right into the RFP zone, where you actually release the solicitation, the request for proposal, uh, invitation for bids, whatever you want to call it, and lock in the what you want to buy, how you're going
1: to evaluate it, how you're going to award so that companies know how to win. And then in the execution time zones, in the recompete zone, this may come up again They say, wow, did this work? When we're competing this the next time, did an LPTA result in something that didn't work? Uh, Did the acquisition strategy that we use get us too close to perfect competition or it basically created a monopoly, (laughs) which I've got stories of both of those.
0: Or was how we bought it last time fine? for last time, but now industry (laughs) has moved to where it really is more of a commodity. So instead of competing on all these features and differentiation, all we really have left to compete on is price. That can happen
1: too. Good point. And the acquisition time zones are in episode number three, if you, if you're new, and then the execution time zones are covered in episode 84.
0: Let's get specific about why government should care about perfect competition,
1: Well, it drives out all advantages or most advantages, you know, back to the airlines thing. And the question is, is that really better for what the customer, what the mission needs? Is that really better? Do we really want this to come down to, I can tread water and do this for you. Give me a contract. It's not really probably what you want.
0: Sometimes, but not for a lot of things.
1: And as a contracting officer, the more I focused on raw competition exclusively, It seemed like the less interest there was both from my customer because they were just getting a commodity and from the offers, the contractors, because they were just competing on price. And again, I didn't see that as clearly until I did a few acquisitions and realized, oh, when I have more clear evaluation criteria that have more differentiation to them, we get better results. (laughs) Funny how that worked out.
0: Think about soldiers who are the, the users in this case, your customers as a contracting officer. They need something that is going to protect their life, something a safety item, and you as a contracting officer are focusing on low price, raw competition, as close to perfect competition as possible. I'm going to buy you the commodity safety item rather than the best, the one that will do the best job of protecting your life. Yeah, you don't get a lot of interest from the users in that kind of solution.
1: Right. Yeah, that's, that's a source selection plan that's hard to get signed off on.
0: What can the government do to avoid being, not accidentally, but inadvertently being driven to a, a perfect competition or a, or a price-only type competition?
1: The government can target offers just like the contractors, the offers, can target government opportunities. I mean, that's the reward. You, you get more variety in the offers. More people in, in different features and different benefits are going to come to you because you made it clear what you need and it's in the niche that they actually cover. You're gonna draw value from more than price because again, people who do this, this this targeted solution, whether it's service, product, whatever, they're not used to doing it just on price. So they know what their differentiators are and they can explain them well. And maybe that happens during the market research. And when you ask them, how is this product differentiated? And they tell you, right? Which they probably will.
0: So if you're the government, the way that you're targeting is by explaining more about which features you value over other features, whether it's a product or a service or, or whatever.
1: And, and especially which ones you you value beyond price. Right.
0: Which What are you willing to pay more for? That helps offers go. say, well, I either don't have that feature,
1: <laughs> so
0: I, I shouldn't bid, or... They say, I do have that feature. And I know that I don't have to compete on price because the government is willing has already said they're willing to pay a little more, not outrageously more, but a little more for these
1: features. And it, it also doesn't repel the companies who have those advantages. And to your point, there are companies that they have their strength, they know what it is, they've clearly defined it. And if the government says we're willing to in, in we're willing to pay more for this, that company's more likely to bid. Because if you repel the people who are really good at the things that you want to be able to buy. Yeah, you, can, at, you kind of
0: flip I, that. It, what, repel, what repels them is, is yeah, I, what you said is is correct. But when you said repel, what I thought is if you make it clear, government folks, that you're making this a price competition, there's no differentiation for you don't value any features above others. Then people that don't want to compete on price or can't go away and you don't get the solution that you need like the yeah. LPTA that you were talking about before they ended up buying something the users didn't want as much because they limited themselves to price if there would have been some kind of trade-off between performance and price the users could have gotten the thing that was a little bit more expensive and a lot more useful
1: and effective because at the yeah. end of the day that's to our, yeah. our goal is give them this something that's actually effective
0: yep what's the risk if if the government doesn't target
1: their their offerers you, you back down that path of commoditized services and goods. You're you're just getting something that's on price only. You don't get all those extra choices that come with the variety of capabilities, the variety of evaluation criteria, the understanding what people's strengths are. You're just going to get price.
0: It's harder to do a great job satisfying your customers' needs unless they're in expecting a commodity solution, because you're dealing with companies that all they are working with is low margin. They're not making the best. They're not putting every amazing feature in there because they have to compete at the commodity level. And the market overall, and now you as the <laughs> LPTA contracting officer, have created a situation where price is the only thing that matters. So there, there's no value to doing anything that costs a penny more than essential, which I guess is sort of an industry thing. Let's flip to the industry side. Industry normally can't avoid all competition,
1: especially in government contracting.
0: <laughs> right, right. You, you don't want perfect competition for sure. You don't want to be driven down to nothing, but a little competition isn't a bad thing to, it, it keeps you on your toes.
1: Yeah. Perfect competition. Cause it drives out innovation, profit, and, and honestly, interest like we've been talking about as a, one of our customers, we were helping them track an opportunity, trying to figure out, is this something that's worth them going after? And as we as we helped them dissect the evaluation criteria, we realized that in the end, this was going to come down to a knife fight. That's his quote, a knife fight over price. And he said, you know what? This doesn't make sense for us. And because as we dug into the RFP, we realized it was just going to be a perfect competition at the task order level. And that's, it's a tough business. To be. It's like the airline industry again. <laughs> You're back to just having you know, low margins and all price and it's no fun.
0: Yeah, that's something that I recorded a podcast with Dan Finkenstadt about competition in the services industry. How difficult is it to actually create differentiators in the service industry and not have just a price fight over the lowest rates for the same people where the employees aren't benefiting because they're not getting raises as as the, the cost of living goes up. The companies aren't benefiting because they're not making profits. So what you end up with is you could award to any company and essentially hire the same support contractors, CETA services contractors, if all you're worried about is price. And for some things, maybe that's all you're worried about. But in a lot of industries, you want a little better than the lowest price. The examples we've used in the past are like the stroller that you're going to put your baby in. Do you really want the lowest price stroller you can buy? Or would you pay a little bit more for one that's a little safer? Or would you pay a lot more for one that is built like a tank?
1: Yeah, it is armored and you know has, has scanning <laughs> software on the front, it has collision protection on it, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Targeting is important for industry folks, too. I mean, the risk if you don't target is you end up competing for those commoditized services and goods you don't know that you're doing that, but you spend a lot of time building your proposal and submitting and then find out, really, price was all that mattered because there's the government hasn't put any value judgments, hasn't put any real differentiators into the evaluation criteria. If, if it's a price-only competition, if, if it is LPTA or, or looks like it once you read the RFP, you really don't have an opportunity to innovate or differentiate. It's get the lowest price. That's all that matters. And again, if you're not competing at scale, if you're not ready for this, you're at a real economic disadvantage because there's no margins. The margins are super low in that kind of business.
1: And it's critically important to understand the value of profit in government contracts especially. And We talked about that at length in episode 132 called Why Does Profit Matter?
0: The reward for companies that target well is not only winning contracts but being profitable and like we talked about before making a little profit allows them to invest in innovation and new solutions and drive the future it allows them to offer more than just technically acceptable
1: yeah there's no innovation when you're just treading water (laughs) you're just too busy trying not to drown (laughs) you know thinking about you know making the next big thing Another reward is you're able to add more value beyond price, which creates a, think of it as a compounding incentive for your customer, your government customer, to value your past performance. If your past performance in your last contract was, oh, I was the lowest price, that, that's easily repeatable by anybody, right? Whereas if, you're, if the value was the ability you brought, the skills you brought, the experience you brought, that's going to be valuable next time. So you can compound the value of this. Because if you just keep winning on low price, yeah. Anybody can do that. Anybody basically, can undercut you eventually.
0: You basically get satisfactory CPARS on everything. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they delivered too. what they said. And it was, you know, we, we had a, the price locked in. So we got what we yeah, asked for.
1: They were massively average. Yay. Yeah.
0: Hard to differentiate there. All right, Kevin, we're going a little long here. Let's wrap this one up.
1: Neither government nor industry really want a perfect competition. I mean, the, the airline is a tough business to be in, right? I mean, it's it's all about price. It's, it's all commoditized, all roughly the same. Right. So what do you do? On the government side, unless you're buying a true commodity, which there, I get that the government buys lots of things at scale, right? But look for differentiators, and if you don't know what they are, Google it, search for them, you know, research the industry. Look, look at the past contracts, see what worked, or ask. You know, put an RFI that says, "What, what are the best differentiators that that make sense for this acquisition? We're trying to buy X."
0: Yeah, right? we're trying to buy a stroller. Tell us why your stroller is. Tell us why we should do something besides buy the cheapest, lowest
1: price stroller out there, right? And yeah, and you're going to get answers that are specific to that individual company, but you know what? That's a place to start.
0: In some segments of industry, price is a default differentiator. We talked about uh, services, how, how difficult it is to provide services in a differentiated way, especially when it's more of, Uh, like support contractors, CETAs, systems engineering, technical assistance. You're hiring engineers from the same pool. What really counts is the overhead that's loaded on top of there. So what is the end price that you can offer to the customer? It's not a fun place to be.
1: When I was a contracting officer, I, I drove my early acquisitions toward this perfect competition. Well, targeting your government customer well so that they don't do that so they can see the differentiators. Part of the reason that I drove it to, per- to perfect competition is I didn't clearly understand what those differentiators were. Part of the reason for that is I wasn't doing targeting. Well, a lot of the targeting comes from feedback from the industry. For me to see those differentiators as a consulting officer, I have to trust that you're targeting. Because if you're just coming to me saying, hey, I can do this for the lowest price, you're, you're not targeting. Uh, if you're coming to me saying, hey, I can probably do this. Okay, but if you say, this is what I do, the people who do this well, do it in this way. That tells me that's a difference.
0: And this is why it's worth more than the lowest price, right? That's enough to move the government off of even thinking about price being the most important thing in their competition.
1: Yeah, because if industry targets their message to this is what you're looking for, this is what we do, this is why you want to use something other than price. As opposed to, hey, give it to me because I'm cheapest.
0: All right, Kevin, let's wrap this up for today. I'll talk to you next time. All right, I'll see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for today's conversation. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast and or learn something from today's podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywayacq.com. The Skyway community is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, or running a business with government contracts. We speak GovCon. We just revamped the website and reestablished the membership levels more clearly define the value you get at each level. Personal members start at $20 a month and that gives you access to all the learning materials, the blogs, This Week in Government Contracting, email, webinars. The next level up is professional members. Professional members get access to the tools like the RFP score inside the community and most importantly, get access to the Skyway team through the Ask a Contracting Officer form. Premium members get all of that plus consulting hours built into their membership. To learn more, call 877-884-5280 or check us out at skywayacq.com. We'll see you here on the podcast next week.
1: One of them is, it's a homogenized, one of them is having a homogenized, imagine there.